Hello and welcome to the Court of Alice podcast. I'm Joe, and today I am joined by Marvelous Muse. Oh, hello. <laughs> and Gothamite V. Oh, hi. It is a discussion episode this week, just because it was pretty light on comics this week for all of us. I honestly didn't really have anything from my pull list that I was going to talk about. So I actually stumbled upon news that DC announced as of today, which is called DC Comics' Future State. (laughs) This is a real doozy. So I'm going to jump right into it. I just found it out today from Newsarama, and then V actually sent me the uh, article from DC Comics themselves. This is not a reboot. A lot of people are saying this is kind of like throwing a bone to Didio for his 5G initiative or Generations, whatever you want to call it. That is technically a completely separate thing. Generations, which was Didio's idea, had a story in the Wonder Woman 80th and a story in Detective Comics 1028, which was the thousandth anniversary of Batman. And they also have two one-shots coming out in January and February. What we can tell right now from DC's description of this. In DC Future State, the multiverse has been saved from the brink of destruction, but the triumph of DC's heroes has shaken loose the very fabric of time and space. The final chapter of Dark Knight's Death Metal, on sale January 5th, 2021, brings new life to DC's multiverse, kicking off this glimpse into the unwritten worlds of DC's future. So, this is going to be a two-month event from January to February, and then things are supposedly going to just resume back in March as if nothing happened. Numbers are just (laughs) gonna go back to the regular cycle. Really, really weird. This kind of reminds me of the Flash Forward miniseries by Scott Lobdell, where Wally was traveling to all these different uh, negative Earths in Dark Multiverse, and also those five one-shots of Tales from the Dark Multiverse where you're just getting a glimpse into these different worlds of possibility of things that could or could not happen. You're going to have specials and brief limited series set in both the near and far future of the DC universe taking place between the ongoing series of like Superman, Batman, Justice League, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, Flash, all that stuff. It is going to be featuring a combination of both monthly and bi-monthly oversized anthology titles, along with a one-shot, one three-issue monthly limited series that actually extends into March before everything goes back to normal. You are also going to get 14 two-issue monthly limited series. Do you actually think that they're going to go back to normal? I think that's just something they're saying to pacify the fans. It's definitely just trying to say, like, don't worry, it's just a thing. But as we know from DC, nothing ever fully goes away. No. It always comes back, whether it's in the next month, the next story arc event throughout the whole universe, or in a couple years later. It kind of reminds me of, like, when they kind of give, like, a poll of, like, would you guys like to see this or would you not want to see this? And then everybody votes, no, we don't want to see this. <laughs> like, well, it was just a suggestion. <laughs> Gosh. And with the amount that they are putting into this, with the writers, the artists, mm-hmm. they, this isn't just going to go away. And if it oh, does, no. that's kind of poor planning on their part. Because that's 
the whole death metal thing has been going on in the background. Like it, it's intersected with mainline series for a while. I have haven't even touched it hardly, and I've been fine. Mm-hmm. So they might do something similar. Well, you're sort of fine, a... but like right now in the main continuity, um, Jim Gordon's missing. <laughs> He was in Batgirl, perfectly fine. But he's not the commissioner, and everybody talks not about anymore. him like he's dead. Last I heard of him, he was he was in jail. So I also no. haven't been reading Batgirl, so I have no idea. There's that communication issue we've been complaining about. Mm-hmm. It really just depends. So I think like when we actually get into like this whole thing being over, I really think they're just trying to softball in TV writers and phase out comic writers. Yeah, well, especially with all these layoffs that they have gone through, and reportedly AT&T is going to be experiencing some even more layoffs across all their media. A little bit of a dick move, just a little. I wonder how they're going to see, like, oh, let's get these TV writers into comics, see how well they do, and we'll keep them around if they do good enough. Yeah, also, one of the things, if we're going based off the fact of, oh, these, these writers that are writing for this event... They're definitely the ones that are probably going to stay on or whatnot. Uh, I totally didn't just control F on the webpage and type in Tinian and nothing showed up, so now I'm a little concerned. <laughs> well, Tinian, we've talked about how he wants to go into his own thing. He's like... Yeah, I would have been saying he wants to go into his indie stuff after uh, after Batman. I would not mind if he was like, all right, let's just keep writing wind. Let's just keep writing all these awesome stories because he's, he's got such a creative mind. As we read this article... I don't see Tinian being not being in this as a bad thing. We will get into it. Yeah, so, true. There is a bunch of different DC creative talent. Mariko Tamaki, Brian Michael Bendis, Joel Jones, Joshua Williamson, Nicholas Scott, John Timms, along with creators from TV and movies and animation and a bunch of other publishing lines. That's just a couple of the names. And I have faith in Williamson. Oh, yeah. That is it. Mariko Tamaki, we are how many issues into a Wonder Woman issue now? Four? Five, maybe? Uh, yeah. I'm not doing Mariko Tamaki. That's that's no. a huge And no. John Timms, like, his art is like, eh, for me. I feel like he needs a specific writer for his type of art. Yeah. Just kind of like Riley Rossmill. I feel Nicholas Scott, though, is definitely going to be good. I think she's just drawing these ones. I don't think she's Yeah, she's, she's drawing in these... And Joel Jones, she is writing and drawing as she usually does. Her strength. I've met her. She's really awesome lady that I met at New York Comic Con. And Catwoman was good starting up. Oh, yeah. I think giving her a one-shot is a good idea. I think yeah. a small, controlled, limited series is a great... Because mm. the whole issues of Catwoman spending most of her time on rooftops. Like, what was it, like six pages of Catwoman running on rooftops? Mm. And I was like, this is insane. <laughs> <laughs> and thankfully for these two, again, like, it doesn't seem that they're really going past four issues at the most yeah. for these titles. So generally, I want to say it's averaging around one to two issues each. Which isn't bad at all. Nope. You know, if you're just going to have this as a, a two-month event throw it into the mini like to the ongoing titles and then come march you're just gonna kick them out and then you're just gonna go back to how things were i'm fine with that i'm just not gonna pick them up for two months and this is kind of perfect because if you look at a lot of these writers they are dc tv writers so they've worked on the cartoons which is basically their bread and butters what they do is 
they work on something and then they get kicked off because <laughs> a lot yeah. of these people are like yeah i worked on one episode and then i left so these people aren't being promised anything it's kind of like a it's probably a cheap way to to handle it because they can be like we're trying out new talent without promising them any job security you know mm-hmm. it's safe and then like we're like well we promised but then like a few of them are like you're gonna yeah. stay on and replace these other writers <laughs> And for, like, these TV writers and whatnot, it's kind of, like, for them, I would say it's, like, they're pitching a pilot. Yep. Yeah. In, th- in this sense, it's especially with all these different new characters that we're going to be getting, it's, like, listen, you have one to four issues, depending, like, to tell us a story of this character. And, you know, if it's good enough, you, you're you on, and, you know, we'll see where we place you. But a couple of these other names, like Tamaki and Bendis, I wonder if this is DC's kind of, like giving them one more chance to stay on Mm, i think the only reason bendis is here is to do the legion of superheroes stuff and that's it like that that's it and it's only i think one issue and he's gone (laughs) this is his last hurrah possibly i i mean yeah i guess for legion of superheroes because superman's ending in december both action comics and superman young justice has i think two one more issue one more november and that's it so yeah, so then it'll just be Legion of Superheroes after that, and if he decides to do anything more Leviathan, which I doubt. But this isn't going to run alongside the regular continuity, is it? It's going to replace it for two months. It's going to replace it for two months. Okay. It's just going to show up, do its thing, it has its own numbers, and then it's going to back out. And then, maybe. So like, maybe. So let's say for The Flash, right now it's at 763, you're going to have one to four issues of this future state thing it has its own title header and everything on the covers and then come march it'll just pick up with flash uh 764 so we'll see also weirdly enough they are grouping this future state thing into three quote-unquote families Inter- i'm guessing like in terms of like legacies and whatever you have the batman family which everybody knows you have the Superman family, which also in parentheses includes Wonder Woman, question mark, question mark, question mark. I think because there's a series called Superman and Wonder Woman. There is. So and that you might also be also have one. the whole relationship from New 52, which is why I'm concerned. And on the main picture for this future state thing, you see Kingdom Come Superman, or so it looks like. And for people who have read Kingdom Come he is married to Wonder Woman because Lois is dead and they have kids. And then the third family is the Justice League family, which I guess they're just kind of like, and everybody else that we just want to include. <laughs> the miscellaneous category. <laughs> because if you look at like some of the issues in the Justice League family, it's not even Justice Leaguers. No. Like the Teen Titans. <laughs> I think Suicide Squad's one of them. Yeah, exactly. It's just... You have Gryffindor, you have Slytherin, and then you have ah, everybody else. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> to start it off, we have the Batman family. So the description that we have for what the plots are going to entail. In this future, this potential future, in the near and far, Gotham City is controlled by the Magistrate. This villainous regime has taken control of Gotham, now under constant surveillance, I guess kind of like Big Brother. 
all mass vigilantes have been outlawed and Batman has been killed, quote-unquote, but led by an all-new Batman. A new assembly of Gotham's guardians rise to give hope to all of those who lost it. As we all know, Bruce doesn't stay dead. <laughs> I'm just going to say this. Batman's family by now is freaking huge. It's like Batman's the Von family Trapp family is the entire seniors. population of Gotham City Basically, at this point. <laughs> and these idiots can't keep a dictator from taking over their city? What a bunch of incompetent buffoons. <laughs> Unless they all died. They like... did not die. They're running around. You know what this reminds me of? It reminds me of that video game that's coming out. Oh, Gotham Knights. Gotham Knights. So I think they're going to do some of that Gotham Knights nonsense here. Where it's like, mm. oh no, Batman's dead again. We're gonna have to carry on, guys. Dick's in charge. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Oracle. <laughs> Let's face it, she should be number one. Yeah, true. <laughs> but whatever. So, do you want to list off like what's gonna come out, or do you want me? How about you go right ahead because this is your boy. Yeah. This is your city here. Here we go. So Gotham, let's talk about it. We're going to have some oversized issues. And what that's going to look like is it's going to be four issues with a different name for each one. The first one is Future State, the next Batman. It's going to be written by John Ridley um, and drawn by Nick Darrington and Laura Braga. Uh, John Ridley worked with Ben Oliver on The Authority, but mostly he's a novelist and a screenwriter. He uh, worked uh-huh. on Static Shock, and he wrote the screenplay for 12 Years a Slave. Whoa. <laughs> so they well, brought in the big guns for this one. They, they definitely did. Minor little blip in when it comes to the fact that they're getting a bunch of novel, like we said before, they're getting novelists and uh, cartoon writers and stuff like that. That's what Marvel did like a couple of years ago. So maybe this is DC finally hopping on the hub train of maybe we should do that because our writers are... I mean, we also <laughs> spoke about that with their uh, young adult graphic novels yep. when they were getting a bunch of novels for those. Mm-hmm. So now they're kind of bringing them more into the mainstream comics. I also maybe. just realized Tomasi wasn't allowed in the club. <sighs> no. They kicked him out. He's going to be in the club. Venditti wasn't allowed either. Yes. Or Snyder. Oh, Venditti. Or Jeff Johns. I think wasn't... Yeah, maybe Snyder's going to get a promotion. I think our good friend GJ has taken a nice long vacay. Because it took him so long to get for Shazam mm-hmm. out. And that was the only thing this man was working on. And then was like, I couldn't even help to finish the rest of the series. Well, GJ's been doing like a whole bunch of stuff with... Um, Stargirl. Well, yeah. yeah. And TV and movies. Mm-hmm. And he's running into all that trouble. Yeah, but also to your point about Snyder, about a promotion, he's already come out and said too, like if they give him a promotion, he's not gonna take it. Like he is trying to take a step down from like kind of being DC's like main like head writer on these things. He wants to focus more on the little stories as well as his other indie stuff. But if he's not writing for two months, then what's he doing? He has a bunch of other indie things. He has his Black Label American Vampire. He still has his Undiscovered Country. Uh, he has his project with Tony S. Daniel coming Nocturnal coming out, which was on the Kickstarter, which I think got actually accomplished the first day. Wow. So he's busy. He's got his own other projects he's working on. Maybe that is why they had to like do a massive hiring, is because I've seen a lot of people <laughs> going off on the indie route. Maybe. Like, it is more I mean, stable, and I think that DC really scared some people at the beginning of the pandemic. Especially with those layoffs, yeah. yeah. 
people at the very beginning of the pandemic were like freaking out when nothing was getting mm-hmm. like printed they were like we have to you know invest in ourselves now yeah i mean it, the artists at least you know can make a little bit more extra money on the commissions but the writers it's not really the same type of ballpark well even jen Bar- bartell like led this whole twitter talk uh yesterday about what are we gonna do about all of this lack of cons because she didn't think the cons were coming back till 2022 and she's like even if they do they're gonna be different how are we mm-hmm. gonna survive till then all of us who rely on cons for most of our money because yeah. she's like Lisa said the same thing the digital cons aren't generating the same money like selling your stuff online you have to have a following to get that out so if mm-hmm. you're a new comp or a new artist who makes a lot of money on cons or if you're like a con artist who like makes merch it's really hard yeah. to like get mm-hmm. people to your store and a lot of these con artists too where they're giving out these codes of like hey these were the prints i was gonna have at this convention type yep. in this code and you get free shipping it's not the same no yeah it's really not and i know a lot of conventions i think momocon did it they posted a entirely huge long like thread on twitter of all the artists that were supposed to come or like here's our artists like go buy their art go follow them i think actually it was tasty peach studios was like hey we've gotten kind of big every week we're supporting like another small artist just if you're an artist send us your information and we'll like put you in the rotation and they keep posting it they've still done that like they haven't stopped just from what i've seen of cons though like a lot of the the purchases are that madness you get when you're at cons you know that madness yeah it's that rush of like I'm in this area surrounded yes. by you get starstruck. You immediately yeah. think I have to buy everything because it's a limited opportunity. I'm never gonna get this chance, especially especially if mm. they have like con specific stuff there. And you're like, and I'm getting oh, yeah. it signed. This is like a limited edition thing that none of my friends are gonna have. I only have a hundred dollars. I'm going to the ATM for more money right now. Yeah, and then you also have that anxiety of like, oh, I really want them to sign this for me but I'm pretty sure that they're not going to sign anything unless I buy something, so I need to buy something from them. Mm-hmm. And then I can also have them sign whatever I need to. Or, like, I just really want to talk to them, and I don't know how to just go up and talk to them without, like, being interested in something. Yeah, or you go there, and you see new people you've never seen before, and you're, like, those girls we saw at Rose City who were like, we're buying everything that has Robin yeah. on it. <laughs> they like, You're going there with a mission. <laughs> they're like, we don't know these artists, but we know we want Robin. And we're, we're together in this group egging each other on. We're all dressed as Robin. We're crazy. So <laughs> we're going to spend this money. Like, you're not going to get that kind of... Did I miss them? Yeah, I think you, you did. did. Damn it! It was funny. They were... They reminded me a it lot of hilarious. you. It was hilarious. should have been like, Muse, get over here now! <laughs> I have found <laughs> your brethren! <laughs> it's the Rabinos. <laughs> they were really excited. So, like, that kind of stuff that happens at cons when you're with other people who share your interests, you're more likely to spend way too much money, a bunch of memories tied to those things that make them more oh, emotional, yeah. than if you're like, oh yeah, I went to an online con. <laughs> from my room and I was told to buy stuff by a bunch of strangers from a faceless mm-hmm. list it's very different and the other thing too with that stuff is that you don't know depending on your internet situation like you can be browsing one of the artist's websites and then you go to click something and then next thing you know it's completely sold out true it's gonna be so weird when it gets back they're probably gonna have like plexiglass shields in front of the yeah. 
Because, like, people have started doing farmer's markets again, but they have those... Some of them have shields, some of them don't. There's usually mm. a lot of, like, distancing, chalk on the ground of where you're supposed to walk. But, like, yeah. if farmer's markets can get back up and going, maybe an outdoor con isn't too far away. And plus, screw the photo ops anymore. <laughs> yeah. I mean, unless you're going to have them surrounded by plexiglass and make them look like they're in a dunk tank. Uh, all right, well, we've con-tangented. Sorry, for... <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, we're, it's fine. we're all really attached to cons. <laughs> but the point is, what Jen Bartel was saying was that it's a really hard time for artists, so I don't think they're going to be doing too much better than the writers in general. Mm-hmm. That's my thought, but... Indies the way to go, guys. Uh, Let's talk about non-indies. So the next Batman, right. So as we were saying, next Batman written by John Ridley. In this second Future State Batman chapter, wearing any kind of mask is going to be a crime. And... This is the wrong time to be putting this story out. DC, what are you thinking? (laughs) Better not see it with a mask. We share our germs in this city. It's Gotham. I mean, have you seen those streets? <laughs> They're like, it's it's a lost cause, guys. <laughs> You've been drinking the water for years. All right. So also, um, any crime, like if it's a compounded crime, it's shoot on sight. So Batman is on the trail of a murderous couple, but quickly finds that all is not as it seems and finds himself in the firing line of the magistrate and their peacekeepers. The gritty, street-level adventure of the new Dark Knight continues. I'm so worried for that one already. (laughs) Just from the premise, you really want to go with that (laughs) as your descriptor (laughs) for what's upcoming? (laughs) You really chose to wear that face out in public? All right. And especially, like, this is coming in January to February 2021. I feel like we would have moved past this a little bit more, and then DC's like, hey, let's just let's bring this back a little bit, come yeah, on. Yeah, like, we've been waterboarding you with darkness, and now, <laughs> more darkness. <laughs> so that's that one. Uh, the next one is Outsiders by Brandon Thomas. If you don't know Brandon Thomas, you're in good company. Um, he's literally only done, like, Excellence and Hardcore Reloaded um, since 2019, and I have no idea what those are either. They're like, they may be Image. I think they're Image okay. comics, so basically creator-owned. Um, I think he had a partner to do them too, so he's not even like writing them by himself. Oh. So you know this guy works at a Joann's. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Bringing it back. I just knew a lot of Dark Horse comics back in the day, and like, if you're only writing a little bit, you've got a day job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> good for him. He's going to be writing yeah. The Outsiders. He has not written anything for DC Comics, as far as I know. This is a guy who would have been funneled through Vertigo if they still had that line mm. back in the day, you know, to kind of test him right. out before they throw him on a DC comic. But mm-hmm. we're going to find out. It's going to be interesting. This is his trial by fire. <laughs> yeah, literally. Listen, we didn't like The Last Outsiders. Maybe he'll do better. They did something similar, right? Um, a couple of years ago, it was like DC Showcase or something like that, mm-hmm. where it was a yeah. whole bunch of new potential writers and artists. Right. kind of has like very <laughs> similar vibes to that. Yes, it does have that similar vibe, except a lot of these people are professional writers. They aren't newbies who just got out of school. 
it's still kind of a bit of a trial by fire because their um, medium is so different mm-hmm. because with yeah. novels you, you don't have to put a lot of the action and how the person said it in text you rely very much on the artist for that at that point so well i'm putting together a bingo card and for the outsiders i'm going to put down a square that says tony isabella cyber bullies <laughs> brandon thomas at some point <laughs> if black lightning is involved um <laughs> just saying um <laughs> i can't wait for this bingo card can we please print it and share it on social media people yeah. love my bingo oh, cards oh, oh. okay i'll i'll share them <laughs> all right arkham knights by paul jenkins and jack herbert uh i don't really know much about this one but i do know that paul jenkins disappeared from marvel comics for a yeah. while his name is vaguely familiar yeah, to me. Like, is. I have heard it, but I also wonder if it's because I've been hearing Patty Jenkins so much. That, it might that's be also Patty it. Jenkins. Paul Jenkins the... did, like, X-Men, um, that kind of thing. Oh, uh, I would have read him. Yeah, he was a Marvel boy. And then, like, he left in, like, 2013 to work on Boom. And then he left that to make his own, like, consulting company in 2014. <laughs> and he hasn't written anything since, so... He's being brought back into DC of all places to write Arkham Knights. I wonder. This is it's a really curious group of lineup. This is why I'm focusing so much more on the writers than the mm-hmm. plots. I will tell you the plot of Batgirls though, which is going to be written by Vita Ayala and Aniki. And if you remember who Vita Ayala is, they are the writer for Ironheart. Are they the current writer for Ironheart? I think so. Also in this issue, <laughs> it's going to have Batgirls Cassandra Kane and Stephanie Brown, and they are going to be in prison. <laughs> Join our Jailbreak. sweet little girls in prison. They're going to be stuck there with heroes. They're going to be stuck there with villains. Probably going to make friends and influence people. What no one knows is that you can't catch Cassandra Kane. She catches you. <laughs> so she's in there on purpose. And she can't tell you because she doesn't speak. And Stephanie's there <laughs> probably for jaywalking, just saying. <laughs> she will have a cool new haircut, though. She looks like Snake. The outfit designs for this one. So, spoiler for some reason, Stephanie Brown looks like a D-list version of Rose Wilson. Yeah. For some reason, they have her head wrapped with only one eye. Unless something happened to her in prison, and she got shipped. <laughs> it actually <laughs> happened. <laughs> If you look at the art, it doesn't look like she pulled a rose and just stabbed her eye out. It looks like her face is burnt. Like, it looks like there's a scar on her cheek, too, which is why it's wrapped on her face. But at the same time, it's like, what the heck has Steph been going through? First she gets pregnant, now this shit. Maybe she met Harvey Dent while in prison. Oh, I don't gosh. Know, but I, I love Cass's outfit. Cass looks great. Not gonna lie. She does. I love her outfit. It is the only outfit in this reboot that I can give 100% approval on, although she does look like a bumblebee. All right. I also think it's very <laughs> interesting that they're really starting to partner up Cass and Steph mm-hmm. in a lot of these things now. They're starting to see more of them in the Batman uh, comic together. She's like the only person who likes Stephanie, though. I mean, there's Tim, but like Tim, unhealthy. Unhealthy with uh, Stephanie. Yeah. Speaking of unhealthy, just a little mild tangent on that. I was going through my Robin comics that I picked out, and one of the covers of then like... 90s 2000s uh robin run was spoiler sitting on a roof with a robin plushie and she's saying he loves me he loves me not as he she's pulling off the plushie's <laughs> arms and legs and i'm like 
this is a beautiful representation of their shitty relationship. Their ship name is Red Flag. <laughs> <laughs> Thank oh, you for that. I, I needed it. to just snort laugh so hard. <laughs> Happy to help in any way I can in these troubled times. All the days. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now back to my girls. We're going to talk about Gotham City Sirens, which if you listen to this podcast, Gotham City Sirens is one of my absolute favorite miniseries, like absolute favorites. This one's going to be written uh, by Paul Sevenbergen and Emanuela Lupacino. If you don't remember who Paula is, uh, she was the writer of that one Catwoman issue <laughs> where the villains were those Victoria's Secret models in aprons. The, the one-shot uh, dust bunnies. The dust issue. bunnies. It was the worst issue. It was so bad. Aggressively bad. And they were like, you know what? I'm go- we're gonna like dump them on, on Gotham City Sirens. Good luck, y'all. Uh, that bingo card is going to have either Poison Ivy or Harley Quinn in gratuitous lingerie. Oh, yeah. My money's on Harley. And potentially some naughty shots. Maybe like an up-the-skirt shot. I don't know. That was the only thing she's written for DC, as far as I know. So that's just all we have to go on at this point. So like, <laughs> you get these people that only written like one thing here, one thing here. How does DC decide, like, hmm, yes, you, it's been a while. I don't want to know the behind-the-scenes politics. I feel like there will be a documentary in about 20 years, and it'll be gritty. Anyways, <laughs> let's go to the next four. <laughs> Future State, Dark Detective. Basically, a detective comics grouping. Uh, we're going to get Dark Detective mm-hmm. by Mariko Tamaki and Dan Mora. If you don't know who Mariko Tamaki is, we've complained about her ad nauseum for her Wonder Woman interpretation and Mm she-hulk two girls i love two girls she ruined (laughs) it's fine everyone has their tastes if you liked her wonder woman check out dark detective um here's the synopsis the world thought bruce wayne was dead they were dead wrong oh god (laughs) when the sinister paramilitary organization known as the magistrate seizes control of gotham city the original batman went big to put them down but even the dark knight couldn't predict how far this evil force would go to stop him really they didn't predict they might kill him well now bruce wayne is on the run (laughs) what else is new from eisner i told you he doesn't stay dead (laughs) from eisner award-winning writer mariko tamaki and rising star artist dan is he a rising star at this point, or is he just, like, established? I don't believe so, because I've seen his name in a good amount of Let's stuff. change this. Dreaded writer <laughs> Mariko Chimaki and established regular Dan Mora <laughs> is the story of Batman pushed to the brink with nothing left to lose. Every story lately is Batman pushed to the brink with nothing left to lose. <laughs> Haven't we had enough? Gosh, and <laughs> also... the. The summary of this sounds like it's coming out of some gritty movie, action movie from the 90s. I was going to say it sounds exactly like a Tumblr post. It just, yeah. it sounds like they're sleepwalking just... their way through this. I'm pretty sure Mariko didn't write that, but Mariko is a Tumblr post, so. Mm-hmm. It vaguely reminded me of whatever her name was from Wonder Woman, Liar Liar. 
<laughs> yeah, it sounds like Liar Liar just wrote all of this. Oh, gosh, you're right. Maybe she did write this. Okay, I'm almost through. All right, Grifters by Matthew Rosenberg and Carmine de Gia. Carmine. Carmine D. This is such an Italian name. <laughs> Gia Domenico. Say it again. Say it in a full Italian accent. Do it. Do it. <laughs> you put him no, on. No, that's racist. <laughs> Carmine D. Gia Domenico. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I like bullying Joe. Matthew Rosenberg, uh, he did 2020 Force Works in Hawkeye Freefall. He's uh. also pretty famous for being a personality on Twitter. <laughs> we'll leave it there. Also in this issue, <laughs> Grifter is back. Cole Cash is having a bad day, and that's not going to improve when the detectives of the GCPD show up. Will a chance meeting with Luke Fox change his luck, or is his day about to get a lot worse? Sorry. I know nothing so about boring. Grifter, so I have no opinion on it. I knew he was around before New 52. I know mm-hmm. he showed up in Flashpoint. That's the only thing I ever read him in. I've never read anything about him. All I know is he's definitely has done stuff with, like, gone against um, the Bat Family a lot. Nice. If the Flashpoint movie is anything accurate, the animated thing before the whole New 52 universe, Grifter is kind of like a more modern vigilante from Justice League. Okay. He's got like their sudden draw and wheeled into the dual pistols. Grifter is also from the Wildstorm universe, so he comes from the same place as Midnight and Apollo. Ah. When they brought him over to DC. Uh, okay. That's as much as I know about him. Yeah, I do not know anything about the Midnighter group. And with Rebirth, he has not been seen since New 52. Oh, okay. Well, cool. We'll get some historical comicing in. I'm surprised they did Grifter of all people. It's really random. But yeah. maybe this individual asked for it. I don't know. Speaking of individuals, I like that segue. <laughs> Joshua Williamson, <laughs> Red Hood. Your boy. Uh-huh. The one man I have so much hope for. The golden yeah. child. Which, as you go through this list, they really gave him a lot to work on. Even if I don't read anything else, I'm going to pick this one up. I'm so curious because this is a man who writes things about hope and family and love, and you're putting him on Red Hood. (laughs) Oh, it's going to get cute. You know it's going to get cute. Because you know, like, all the people who love Jason Todd just go mushy at the knees whenever he does anything remotely family-oriented mentions like anything about brothers brothers (laughs) (laughs) he acknowledges family (laughs) he's crunchy on the outside but inside he's soft and mushy (laughs) he loves his brothers sorry muse okay sorry she's giving me dirty looks (laughs) we don't know what's going on with red hood but family now a monthly miniseries okay so we're gonna have a bunch of teeny tiny monthly miniseries uh, with Future State Batman Superman by Gene Lewin Yang and Ben Oliver. Totally mispronounced the first one. I love Ben Oliver's art. Everyone knows it. Mm-hmm. His covers for Deceased are amazing. Yeah. His covers for Jimmy Olsen are amazing too, even if you want to admit it. I have nothing against the covers. It's the interior that I have problems with. I know. (laughs) So anyways, Gene is known for the Chinese Superman, the new Superman, Kong Kinnan. And he's done some Superman. So he's done some really well-liked Superman stuff. So I'm not even nervous about how he would treat Batman Superman. And plus being partnered with Ben Oliver. 
Oh yeah. Yeah. I've only seen Ben Oliver on cover art. I'm very curious to see him with interior art. It's true. It'll be interesting. I mean, it won't be the same level of detail, but it could be good. No. Let's see. Catwoman. It's going to be written by Ram V, and the art is going to be by Otto Schmidt. Which is awesome, especially because Ram V is currently writing the Catwoman series. Mm-hmm. So it's he doesn't really have to stray that exactly. far. Exactly. And Otto Schmidt's love of beautiful women and just the way he drew Catwoman in the Harley Quinn series. Oh, it was so oh, beautiful. Oh, right. That two, uh, the two issue. The yeah, thing. it was so good. <laughs> this Catwoman outfit is <laughs> hit and miss in places. <laughs> the design of it, I like the overall like color scheme. I know, V, you also didn't mind the the tron aspect the the kitty knee pads are kind of cute not gonna lie it's kind of young it's kind of young for what she is she's like a late 30s woman hang on let me give you the synopsis all right all right masked vigilantes have been deemed illegal and the magistrate has commandeered a bullet train to take those they've captured to a reformation facility first of all why is it always bullet trains with catwoman you guys need to let those go (laughs) Bullet trains are when not the a thing. bullet trains get over here? It's all in Europe. There's no such thing as bullet trains. You guys need to stop. All right. <laughs> the Japanese tourist just looked at me. <laughs> Listen, you did not read Anasenti's Catwoman, where they built a bullet train overnight through an Indian reservation, and then Catwoman raced it on a car that she built in the same night. Her car went five to six hundred miles per hour yes and not only was it going that fast but she jumped from it onto the bullet train you don't jump on a bullet Literally train you're like it's said, a bug on a windshield man this is a bullet bug train on a windshield. they're like it's a bullet train it goes so fast you guys are gonna have to invent cars that go this fast if you want to keep you... up <laughs> like i've i've been this... in stations where the bullet train isn't going through because it's just it's not one of the stops because it's the express one and that sucker goes through and it flies like it doesn't slow down when it goes to the station it goes full through i don't even want to understand the physics of that anasenti thing that woman is wacky as hell she had catwoman drop down to another world like fall beneath gotham into an, a subterranean world and she was fine cat like reflexes you know? i mean yeah if you throw a you cat from a five-story building it's gonna splat but you throw Catwoman from a world to another world <laughs> with no magic and no padding. She's great. It's no worries. Well, the difference is Selina has plot armor. A regular cat doesn't. <laughs> That's too much plot armor. So I'm just, I have something about bullet trains and Catwoman. I can't do it, okay? It's just a trigger. It's a trigger. Me. Sorry. Back to it. I'm going to get back into my inner world. <laughs> Masked vigilantes have been deemed illegal. We know this. And the magistrate has commandeered a bullet train to take those they've captured to a reformation facility. And he filled the rest of the train of innocent children. What the heck? Catwoman is hell-bent on ensuring it never reaches its destination. Armed. It makes it sound like she's going to kill the kids. Armed with new magnetic suit. Oh, that's why she looks like she's in Tron. It's magnetic. Right. Uh. <laughs> I just read ahead. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Armed with a new magnetic suit, assisted by her trusty band of strays, and featuring her new protege, 
Cheshire cat. She must pull off the impossible. A train heist oh. where she steals the train itself. The whole description was all doing the impossible. But Selena isn't the only person aboard who has plans for this train and its most unexpected passenger. Oh my gosh. What the gosh. hell would Catwoman be doing with Cheshire Cat? Do you not see the similarities? No, I don't. Because she is a cat burglar and Cheshire is a mad assassin who loves poison. Unless this isn't Cheshire, but Cheshire Cat. A completely separate no character. she wouldn't dare because cheshire is just called cheshire like she does she's not called the cheshire cat she's just cheshire You're right and this is might be completely this might be like her little sidekick protege that sucks that sucks harder actually i would hate that <laughs> she knows who cheshire is you can't just rip someone off like that nope one of the aliases is cheshire cat Oh, then never mind. From, uh, according to the DC wiki. But why would Cheshire be her protege? They're like the same I know. age. And also, Cheshire could technically say that she has more training. True. Yeah, Cheshire would kill her. <laughs> oh, Cheshire yeah, no, definitely. Her. She doesn't like kids, really, either. She, like, barely liked her no. own kid, right? Uh, depends how you want to look at it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just think Cheshire is a bad person. It just gave me very Toy Story 3 vibes. A bullet train full of innocent children. I'm just hearing them shout, No, the orphans! The new <laughs> this is the new trolley problem. <sighs> oh, gosh. Oh, I hate it. Okay, I take oh. back everything I said. Are we sure this is Dan Didio and not some darker monster we haven't encountered yet? This is some guy over at yeah, at t uh, Alright, so Future State Harley Quinn by Stephanie Phillips and Simone D. Meow. Meow. Damn it. Meow. <laughs> no. We were talking about Shush. cats too much. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> Alright, guess what? In a bold move that rocks Gotham City, the magistrate has imprisoned Harley Quinn. Wacky. The villain, once known as the Scarecrow, heard of him now a pawn of the magistrate taps into harley's knowledge of gotham's villains and the black mask gang for his own dark purpose crane and his bosses mm. think they have harley quinn defeated and her spirit broken but they are sorely mistaken who talks like this and harley will have her <laughs> revenge written by rising star writer stephanie phillips and drawn by fan favorite artist simone D. mio <laughs> the next era of harley quinn begins here if you don't know who stephanie phillips is she is the writer of butcher of paris i liked the first two i haven't read the rest it was kind of paint by numbers let's be real there's a murderer in paris he is a nazi Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. I mean, like, it's a pretty common, like, story. Like, guy tells mm -hmm. Jewish families, I can get you out of here, then kills them and takes their stuff. So, Butcher of Paris is sort of intriguing premise. I haven't finished it. So, I don't know if I like it mm -hmm. or not. It was fine. But she is not a DC person. This is her first DC title. So, Rising Star, I guess, is code for new person. Um, fan favorite artist. I've never heard of her. So let's talk about Nightwing. It's going to be a Future okay. State Nightwing by Andrew Constant and Nicholas Scott. 
So if you don't know who Andrew Constant is, he uh, did The Demon, Hell on Earth. He also was in The Cybernetic Summer, which you hated, Joe. (laughs) You actually made me not read it. This is also the one that you said I was going to get my hopes ruined and you were going to laugh at me. (laughs) Listen, anthologies (laughs) by DC are so hit and miss and mostly miss. You can't be excited. You have to walk into it just hating the world like I do. And then if you find a gem, you're like, wow, a gift, you know? That's exactly my mindset. And then Green Lantern 80th came out. And Joker see how 80th happy came you out. And Catwoman 80th came out. And then Cybernetic Summer came out. So your hopes were just dashed against and the walls I repeatedly. I did not even bother to read that Halloween one that came out recently. Oh, me neither. Mm-hmm. I gotta read it. But with Nicholas Scott drawing Nightwing... We're going to have the dick butt a lot. Because this, I see her, <laughs> po- I, I follow her on Twitter. <laughs> and when she butt, does and art, like... she, loves, she loves Dick Grayson. Like, she loves him. I can't believe you just brought that dick butt. <laughs> I can't believe you said that. <laughs> I did not see Dick Grayson when you said We're that. we it back to 2014. <laughs> Are you allowed to say that? But we will see a lot of shots of Dick Grayson's soft supple booty because that is nicholas i'm so disturbed well that's good to know i'm Uh, glad she's living the dream (laughs) i was more concerned about nightwing's bizarre chin strap why does he have a random chin strap in his new design if he falls and just skids nothing's gonna hurt his face he's not a very good acrobat if he keeps landing on his chin you know what i'm saying true anyways (laughs) <laughs> Puts a new, a new spin on glass jaw. Other than that, his costume doesn't look very different. No. no. If I have to say, the person who looks the most different to me is Batman. Because he's got them short yeah. sleeves. He's got that SWAT outfit. Reminds me a bit of the Grim Knight. A, a little, little bit. bit, yeah. But we gotta see them hairy biceps. And apparently lots of dick butt. <laughs> Muse's fantasy is finally fulfilled. Listen, Dick Grayson has a nice ass, and we have to appreciate Can we just call him Nightwing now? Please? This, this okay, is why Nightwing. Richard Nightwing. started. Fine. I completely forgot about that stupid meme until you said it. All- <laughs> you said it so exuberantly. You're like, dick butt! <laughs> you know what? Anything's possible if you believe hard enough. It might show up. So, let's talk about Nightwing. Here's his blurb. Batman is gone! Now Nightwing is taking on the mission of keeping the citizens of Gotham City safe from the Magistrate. But to do that, he'll have to stay one step ahead of the Magistrate. And you know things have gotten bad in Gotham when the safest place for Dick to hide out is the abandoned Arkham (laughs) Asylum. When Nightwing gets a visit from a mask... Claiming to be the new Batman, does he fight like one? What? <laughs> what is that sentence? <laughs> when Nightwing gets a visit from a mask claiming to be the new Batman, does he fight like one? Pick up this dark peek into the future by writer Andrew Constant and the artist Nicholas Scott to find out. That's what we got from that one. Safety first, Gotham. It's gonna look like a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> We've got everyone looking like a rollerblade team. <laughs> You've got Catwoman with knee pads, Batman with elbow pads, or actually thigh pads. Oh, man. It's a Bat Family roller derby. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> okay, last one from the Bat Family. Robin nice. Eternal by Megan Fitzmartin and Eddie Barrows. 
So Megan Fitzmartin is, she was an executive assistant on Supernatural, and then she transitioned into a staff writer. She has not done any comics, ever. Okay, so she's another complete newbie. Yes. Interesting. Yeah. (laughs) So so that's going to be something to look at. I'm concerned then, because it's about Tim, so. Oh yeah, it's your boy. Here's a synopsis. Lazarus Resin is on its way to Gotham City, and the Magistrate intends to use this regenerative super drug to make himself immortal. That is, unless Tim Drake has anything to say about it. Join the ultimate (laughs) heist at 20,000 feet, as Robin and Spoiler hijack the Sky Convoy. That could mean the end of freedom in Gotham forever. If the emotional baggage between Tim and Stephanie doesn't do them in first... Kill me oh, now. I'm seeing the supernatural. I'm seeing it now. Oh, man. <laughs> I get it. This is just going to be like a stupid romance-driven will-they-won't-they they story. Oh, my gosh. I'm not even done. I want to gag a little. All right. I am gagging. <laughs> It's like freedom in Gotham forever or emotional drama. Oh no, what do we do? We're children. So uh, it's the fist flying, sky diving, robot smashing, fascist punching adventure that you cannot miss from rising star writer Megan Fitzmartin, Supernatural, and top artist Eddie Barrows, Detective Comics. Oh, man. oh my god! I read the very beginning and I saw that it was it was Tim <laughs> and Stephanie doing stuff, and I didn't read past that uh, until you got to it. Because when you said that Megan Fitzmartin was working on Supernatural, I thought this writer has never written comics. She probably knows nothing about Tim and Stephanie. Ex- sees two of them and goes, "Oh, they already have so much drama before. Let's just add more because who doesn't like drama when it comes to relationships? This person doesn't. I'm sick and tired of the Tim Stephanie train. Like, either make them together or just be done with it. Like, just... Did you catch the topical fascist punching? Yeah. <laughs> that's that's totally not like magistrate. <laughs> if this is supposed to be like a future story and you're still drawing Tim Drake and making him look like a 15-year-old boy, I'm going to scream and throw something so hard. He's still an adult. Like, he's 18 right now in the comics, and everyone is still drawing him like a prepubescent boy. I kind of feel a little bit scared on um, Fitzmartin's behalf. I'm a little worried for her because she's about to find out how angry comics fans can get. People in Supernatural, because I'm not in that community, so I only see it from the outside, but they, like, make call-out posts on Tumblr, you know? Like, they make lists. They're like, these people Mm -hmm. are queer-baiting us, and we need to tell them they have to stop. And then, like, DC (laughs) fans are like, I made this list of the shittiest people in the world, and this person (laughs) is on it at number one. But there are, like, 17 spots for number one because I hate so many people. I'm going to go on Tumblr in my community, and I'm going to make a bunch of memes about them. Because for some reason, the comics fandom makes some really kick-ass memes. Also, the comic fandom usually is super divided on how characters are interpreted. Like, Supernatural or a lot of other TV shows. How the character is interpreted, like, everyone in the fandom typically, uh, 99% margin of, like, this is how the character is done. 
And if you want to, like, make an AU of the character, that is fine, but it is an alternate universe. But this is how the character acts, and we have episodes upon episodes written by the same people for years, while comic artists and writers, they just interpret characters very differently. It's probably so. bad how how rigid some people are, but, like, I do know this, that Joker and Harley chipping people are kind of outcasts in a lot of the mainstream comic communities. Mm-hmm. People get real angry if you ship Joker with Harley, and people get really angry when you ship uh, Stephanie with Tim. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hello. <laughs> Didn't see hello you there. there. I, I think at this, the, the main reason I don't like it is looking back on it, there are obvious unhealthy moments between it, and it just needs to either, like I said, either make them be together or not. The will-they-won't-they with them is really starting to be a problem, I think, for most Tim fans. Mm -hmm. I think the actual hate I've seen more between this chip between Tim and Steph is the Steph fans hating Tim. Really? Because I've seen a lot of the con shippers being really angry. Yeah, that's what I see, too. The Tim con shippers. Based off what I've seen, I don't think anyone really, like, hates Steph as a character, because obviously our ship is never going to sail. I met a Steph fan... When I was trying to buy Tim fan art from an artist, I got it at Heroes Con. The artist was like, yeah, I like I never see people that really like Tim. And then here comes the Steph fan. She's dressed as Batgirl Steph from like preboot. And she starts to go on a bit of a tirade. And uh, the artist is just looking uncomfortable as she's trying to sell me Tim fan art. And, and the Steph fan is also like kind of bashing the artist a bit because Aww. of like, why would you like Tim? Blah blah blah. That's so uncool. I was trying to give my input. The girl was just hitting me down. Like everything I said, she ignored. Wow, that's awful. I mean, that's what happens. Don't attack artists because of your ship. No. Don't attack anyone because of your ship. Like that's silly. Or your favorite character, because it wasn't even a Tim Connor. It was just Tim. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Granted, it was New Fifty Two. Tim. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> Joe joins her at the table. <laughs> Well, okay. So, Joe, I think we're on to Superman now. Yeah, we are. Caught up on Gotham. I'll take it from here. (laughs) So, I am sorry, guys. There's a lot of stuff that came out with this announcement thing. Out of that Batman stuff, I have no idea what I would even be tempted to pick up. Maybe the Joshua Williamson. Maybe the Nightwing. That's about it. I don't know. But on with this Superman slash Wonder Woman family. I read the description of this. I thought I knew hands down who this was mainly written by, and I am so shocked that it's not. It is so unbelievably disgusting. I have no idea how this is even being printed. What? Are they doing your boy dirty? (laughs) What a (laughs) build-up. So, due to his involvement in an international crisis happening in the near future, Clark Kent has been rejected by Earth causing him to focus his life-saving efforts outside his adopted home. <laughs> he travels to War to rise through the ranks of gladiatorial combat in order to defeat Mongol with the help of some unlikely heroes. Back in Metropolis, Clark's son John is taken on the mantle of Superman. After seeing the horrors that befell Gotham, he bottles Metropolis <laughs> in order to keep it safe. Putting him at odds with Supergirl. Uh, excuse me. Let me break this down real fast. 
something happens, Clark is banished from the Earth. Whatever it is, they're like, you know what, we have enough heroes that can do your job. We got three that can make up your one, you can leave. And so, to help with the rest of the universe, at his disposal, he decides to go to War World and fight in gladiatorial combat <laughs> in order to fight Mongol and making some Thor Ragnarok along the way. God. And then you have John who sees Gotham dealing with the magistrate <laughs> and he's like, oh man, I don't want my home to be <laughs> damaged by a magistrate. So I'm just going to keep it safe. No, not like my dad did. I'm just going to literally pick it up and push it somewhere else. <laughs> I'm wondering how many of the um, Metropolis citizens got a say in this. <laughs> I think John's been spending a little too much time with, with Dan. Brainiac. I was going to say Brainiac. that. <laughs> Brainiac and Damien. Like, this sounds like a Damien level thing. This does just... not sound like a Damien level thing. This sounds thing. like the new Damien. Damien would kill the threat. Actually, you're right. Okay, true, fair enough. Damien's lobotomizing right. bad guys. Like, in comparison, John is much worse. He's like, I'm doing this to help you guys. You don't, you don't understand. You may you're not You're never going to see now, your friends you and like... family from Central City again. If your family is out of state, <laughs> goodbye. You are done. <laughs> If this is John, the current Rebirth continuity, if we're going based off of that, keep in mind, like, yes, he is, like, 17 or 18 years old now, physically, but this kid has been, was in a volcano for most of that. Keep in mind, he's probably still mentally, like, 12. That's still 12 no year olds shouldn't I, do that either. So he's acting like a child and just... I still don't Panicking. think so because as we've seen in both Super Sons and the Superman runs, he has enough brain capacity okay, true. to not bottle up his own and city. I think we as a society, as a world right now, understand how mentally devastating it is to be trapped at home and <laughs> unable to travel. And this these people like, what if their doctors are in Europe? You know what I'm saying? Like, what if someone gets a rare form of cancer and they need to be life lighted out of there? They can't go. What if they were just in Metropolis on a business <laughs> trip? <laughs> oh, this God. was like that time in uh, New Fifty Two, or what was the one where they all got like trapped under like domes for like a year? New Fifty Two in Convergence. Yeah, Convergence. Yeah, convergence. yeah he's making his own Convergence. <laughs> and not only that, like, he's going against Supergirl, so if this was the same John from Rebirth, who loves his family and cares about his family, he, as soon as Kara says, like, this is bad, you need to reverse this, he would go, okay, and then he would unbottle this is it. Superboy Prime. Like, this is not what we're dealing with. Imagine being Supergirl, just like, put it back! <laughs> what, what did you just do? <laughs> Like, how do you even, how do you even so have bad. that conversation with somebody? Like, is this the fascist we're punching? Stephanie, explain. <laughs> this is some real fascist stuff. That's just a premise. So then you have the, the oversized issues of future state Superman of Metropolis. You have Superman of Metropolis written by Sean Lewis and is going to be drawn by John Timms. Sean Lewis is known for both Bliss, um, an indie comic which V has actually been reading, and Thumbs. Both Image Comics, so yeah. creator-owned. 
Then you also have The Guardian, so I'm hoping to see some of Roy Harper. Also uh, written by Sean Lewis, but this time the artist is Coley Hammer. Also getting a Mr. Miracle tie-in, which is a, supposed to tie in both the Superman story and the Wonder Woman stories. Somehow he is combining these two things. So unless Mr. Miracle happens to go to War World just for <laughs> and then see Superman there and is confused why he's fighting in gladiatorial combat, I don't know. That is being written by Brandon Easton and the art is by Valentin Delandro. Brandon Easton is writer for Thundercats and Transformers War for Cybertron trilogy. Oh, he did the reboot of Thundercats. That was actually really good. Yeah, no, it wasn't lie. the Thundercats Go or whatever that one was. I'm telling you right now, I don't. These are horrible. That's your main premise. Fuck no. <laughs> you have Future State Superman World of War, which is written by Philip Kennedy Johnson, and the art is actually by Mikhail Janin. So Philip Kennedy Johnson, he wrote a story in Crimes of Passion. He has been writing the failing Black Label story, <laughs> The Last God. And he also wrote the most recent uh, Batman Secret Files number three. Mikhail Janin, he is currently working with Mariko Tamaki on Wonder Woman. Mm. You're also getting a Midnighter oh. a story by Becky Cloonan, Michael W. Conrad, and Gleb Melnikov. I love Becky Cloonan. This one might actually be good because Becky Cloonan is a actually good writer. You're also getting Black Racer for some reason. <laughs> Who the heck is Black Racer? Black Racer is basically the DC Universe equivalent of the Grim Reaper. He is this man on skis that travels through space. It sounds funny when you have to say it out loud. It lets you know when something bad is happening. He doesn't fight. He just skirts. He's DC Silver That's Surfer. actually how I feel about any skier i feel like something bad's about to happen <laughs> <laughs> that's being written by jeremy adams who is basically a tv writer he did a whole bunch of stuff for uh dc and uh the art is by sia Ohm. i am very sorry for mispronouncing that and then future state immortal wonder woman which is being written by also becky cloonan michael w conrad and the art is by jen bartell mm-hmm. V wrote down, I will never read anything with Jen Bartel. Sorry, Becky. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot to erase that. <laughs> and then Nubia by L.L. McKinney, Aletha E. Martinez, and Mark Morales. You know, I haven't seen anything with her for a while. You've been reading Wonder Woman longer than I have, Joe. Have you seen her? The only things I've seen Nubia in, honestly, is in Infinite Crisis. Uh, well, so it might be good. And DC Universe Online recently. But, I mean, I'm curious for it. So, we have monthly miniseries and one-shots. So, we have Future State House of L, written, once again, by Philip Kennedy Johnson, and the art is by Scott Godlewski. It's a one-shot on sale in February. You have Kara Zor-El Superwoman by Marguerite Bennett and Marguerite Salvage. Savage. Um, Marguerite Bennett is famous for Josie and the Pussycats and DC's Bombshells. Legion of Superheroes by Brian Michael Bendis and Riley Rossmo. Yeah. You're going to just have this very fluid type art with nothing but word bubbles and you're not going to know who they're connected to. Nope. The Superman Wonder Woman Future State by Dan Waters and Layla Del Duca. 
this is the one where it's actually going to be a buddy cop of John Kent and this Brazilian Wonder Woman, Yara Flor, working together. Her design is really interesting. I love it. It just fits the Wonder Woman aesthetic. Mm -hmm. And I I hope her character isn't bland and doesn't fall flat. Is this a normal thing? Because I don't really know that much about Wonder Woman's deputies. Do do you just elect Wonder Woman from different non-Themyscira cultures? Can you do that? I mean, like, okay, so I don't really know. Donna Troy was from Themyscira, wasn't she? Yes. Donna Troy was a, a literal reflection uh, magic clone and of Supergirl Diana. is daughter of Zeus in this current iteration. Wonder Girl. Sorry, Wonder, Wonder Girl, Girl. And she's granddaughter. They changed her into a granddaughter. Originally, she was Zeus's daughter. But, but yeah. they didn't want to make her and Diana's sisters since they're keeping Diana's New 52 origin of being a daughter So how does... Living in the Amazon qualify you to be an Amazon. Well, Steve Orlando just introduced a third tribe of Amazonians, which happened to be from, like, South America. Hmm, okay. So that's his way of trying to tie this in. Right, so you have the actual island of Themyscira with the Amazons. You have this other group that is actually more towards, like, the Middle East, and they're a more barbaric type of Amazon. Mm. And then you have this third tribe, which Steve Orlando. This gives me rainbow lantern vibes. And then you have two more. Oh no! You have Superman versus Imperious Lex, written by Mark Russell and Steve Pugh. It's a three-issue series ending in March. I have to admit, this cover looks freaking hilarious. And the last one is Future State Wonder Woman. Written and drawn by Joel Jones. Cool. The last bit, which is the miscellaneous, the Justice League family, which is just everything else. A thread of great change runs through the Justice League heroes. A new league is built upon secret identities, even from each other. Almost like how it used to be. (laughs) But an old and evolved enemy will use these secrets to try to overthrow the world. For the supernatural heroes of Justice League Dark, the very fabric of reality has shifted and heroes are being hunted. For Flash, Shazam, and the Teen Titans, it all begins with the four writers of the Apocalypse unleash hell in a battle at Titans Academy. Barry Allen is cut off from the Speed Force, a famine-controlled Wally West may be beyond (laughs) saving, and Billy Batson makes a deal with the devil that will change Shazam forever. Off-world, Jon Stewart and the remaining Green Lanterns are stranded in a shadow of a dead power battery. Jackson Hyde and Andy Curry are separated across the galaxy. For those of you who don't know, Andy Curry is the daughter of Aquaman and Mira, and Jackson Hyde is the current Aqualad. And Amanda Waller executes her ultimate plan with a new but terrifyingly familiar Suicide Squad on Earth. What the heck? At the end of time, Swamp Thing reveals its true intention, ruling supreme, until a remnant of humanity launches a rebellion, and Black Adam looks to the past as the only way to save the future of the multiverse. Wow. Okay. Talk about a clusterfuck. Oh my god, this... There's so much. A, I know people have already been talking about this, but can we please stop making Wally West be like a a villain? Like this poor boy has gone through enough. Stop torturing. Wally. Why are you guys so stop mean to Wally? Wally? He's done nothing wrong. And also, 
like what me and V mentioned a couple episodes back when we were talking about Wonder Woman, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. It's thing my pet peeve. Needs to it's stop. my pet peeve. Every time <laughs> I see it in any comic media, I lose another brain cell. I am so sick of everyone just thinking, ah, the apocalypse, that's a good one. It's like all the, the Christ motifs we have to shove in there, Zack Snyder. Like, there's like a bunch of ridiculous, <laughs> stupid, overused tropes, and one of them that needs to be retired is that there are four rando bad guys, and they're on some kind of horse, or they're just called horsemen. They don't even need a horse at this point. They're just like, hey, remember that reference to the Bible? <laughs> Vaguely? Uh-huh. Yeah, we're using that, and that's enough. The Amanda Waller one somehow oh lassoing in Earth 3's crime syndicate <laughs> to be her new Suicide Squad. How powerful is this woman? Uh, exactly. <laughs> I, you gotta give Amanda Waller props for being able to pull this ridiculous thing off. Ultraman and Superwoman would kill her instantly. I know. This woman has a death wish, but... I, I was looking through the, the covers and I saw the Shazam one and you could see Billy, I think. And then Shazam was being like pulled away from him. Like he was getting like literally forcibly removed from him. So I'm concerned about that one too. It is following after Dark Knight's Death Metal. We'll see because the last issue of that, like I said in the beginning, doesn't come out till January. So for the oversized issues, we have Future State Justice League. You have the regular Justice League and Justice League Dark. Uh, Justice League is being written by Joshua Williamson, and the art is by Robson Roca. And then Justice League Dark, just like the series right now, it's being written by Ram V, and the art is going to be done by Marcio Takara. Then you have Future State Green Lanterns. Last Lantern is written by Jeffrey Thorne and Tom Rainey. Jeffrey Thorne is an actor, TV writer for cartoons like Justice League Action, and then he also worked for Ultimate Spider-Man and Avengers Assemble. Ooh. So this is another guy who, like, at least he does have some superhero experience, maybe not in the comic aspect. Ultimate Spider-Man I hated. I didn't mind Ultimate Spider-Man. There was some gimmicky bits about it, definitely, but not the worst. That's the one voiced by Drake Bell, right? Yes. So that's where Jeffrey Thorne is from. <laughs> and then we have Tales of the Green Lantern Corps by Josie Campbell, Ryan Cady, Ernie Altbacker, with Sammy Bastry and Clayton Henry. <laughs> Holy shit. Why are there so many people? I don't know who any of these people are. Well, Clayton Henry is the artist for that one Batman Superman arc and actually this most recent Flash where he gave everybody a super big fight. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that guy. Yeah, that was wild. Uh-huh. And then last two of the oversized is uh, Suicide Squad, written by Robbie Thompson, and the art is from Javi Fernandez. Robbie Thompson is a producer on Supernatural, writer of Cursed and Marvel video comics. Also comics include Spider-Man, Deadpool, Meet the Scrolls, Moon Girl, and Silk. Black Adam one I'm definitely going to pick up. It's written by Jeremy Adams, and uh, the art is by Fernando Passerin. Then for the monthly issues, Future State Aquaman, written by Brandon Thomas, and the art is by Daniel Samper. The Flash, being written by Brandon Vietti and... The art is by Dale Eaglesham. Mm. Dale Eaglesham was doing the art for the uh, 15 issues of Shazam, for the most mm. part. Yep. Uh, Brandon Fietti, he was an animation producer for Batman, Death in the Family, Lego DC Comics, and Young more. Justice. And he was the mm. director 
for Batman v. Dracula, Batman Under the Red Hood, Superman Doomsday, Batman Brave and the Bold, and The Batman. And he's also a storyboard artist. At least this guy knows his comics. <laughs> he does. I feel like that would be kind of safe with him. I mean, it's a dark story if you're involved in the apocalypse and poor Wally being possessed by famine so it makes sense that you know at least this guy has a lot of batman this is pretty rough for like a new writer to jump in and be like haha you're writing this now and you're like ooh, ah oh yeah (laughs) so we then we also have future state team titans written by tim sheridan and the art is by rafa sandoval rafa sandoval has been doing the art for uh joshua williamson's flash uh run that just ended Mm. recently and Tim Sheridan, he's a TV writer for DC Superhero Girls, Teen Titans Go, and also for Reign of the Superman uh, animated movie. That was a good movie. Uh, Future State Shazam, also written by Tim Sheridan, and the art is by Eduardo uh, Pensica. And then Swamp Thing is also done by Ram V, and the art is going to be by Mike Perkins. Ram V, I feel like he'll do a pretty good job with Swamp Thing. And I think Ram V also wrote in that giant swamp thing that's what i was just gonna say like the the giant thing that just came out this past month and he has another swamp thing coming out i think before the end of this year it's like a mini series Mm -hmm. or swamp i definitely want to clarify something before we like wrap up like when we are down on like some of these darker storylines we're not saying that there shouldn't ever be high stakes there shouldn't ever be like dark storylines but there is something about writing in character first of all a lot of the storylines yeah. that we get that are dark are usually brought about by the characters doing something out of character. Another yes. thing that, <laughs> that... I mean, like, Dark Metal was dark, but a lot of the characters stayed in character. They did things that were within character yeah. for them, so we accepted it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Snyder did a good job of actually having a voice for other people aside from And there has Batman. to be a payoff. If they're going to have yeah. a tragic ending, we have to believe that it's earned. Either the characters did something along the way that makes sense that it would set it up to fail, or something in the world naturally came to that. Like, you don't want to just be like, and then everyone died, which happens a lot. Like, people will have, like, surprise twists, and that's not really cathartic. You don't really get that closure because it doesn't really have anything to do with what we saw at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Or if it's just a quick resolution because... This is just a story that you really want to tell, but you're not sure how to set it up to make it actually motion into that. So you're watching this conflict rise, and then you turn the page, and then the conflict And that can be really over. hard when you're being forced into other people's arcs, or there's a change of direction halfway through, and now you have to change the story a bunch to match something completely different. But, like, what mm-hmm. it ends up doing is throwing the whole thing off and losing the audience and kind of cheapening the entire experience so like when we complain we're not saying oh i don't like anything dark ever we're saying um we want good stories (laughs) and a lot of these dark stories are usually a substitute for actual character development for actual plot and the shock value just isn't cutting it anymore guys no and it really does come to like having an accurate voice of that character to in order for it to be make sense because when you do just throw in like a character like superman where he's banished from earth and so he's going to spend the rest of his time (laughs) fighting in gladiatorial combat Mm -hmm. to rise up the ranks to go to mongol when a that makes absolutely no sense and b 
He's fought Mongol enough times. He's had enough experiences with Warworld. It Warworld has been destroyed and rebuilt time and time again. There is no reason why Clark would go and join as like one of the entertainers for no. this thing in order to fight Mongol. It really doesn't at all. And I feel the problem with these stories isn't because they're dark. It's because they're trying to be gritty. And gritty yeah. stories don't work for superheroes. Watchmen is gritty because it's supposed to be just no hope. While superhero stories are supposed to have that hope. And having a dark side to things, like Batman's always been dark, is fine because it shows a different side to things. But this Flash story looks like it's going to be gritty. And mm-hmm. that's not Flash. I'm sorry. Well, it, it has to fit the tone. And we've said this about the movies, too, where if it's unnecessarily dark, you know, it doesn't always fit the character. Like, Man of Steel being a dark movie, it doesn't really work for him. That's one of the things that is one of my pet peeves about Batman, is people don't understand that Batman is, at its heart, a very hopeful story. It's the mm-hmm. the setting is darker than Metropolis. It's darker than Central City or Coastal City or whatever, but it's at its core about redemption. So when we watched the cartoons growing up, we always got to see that happy ending. Even the comics from early days, there was always that happy ending because they weren't designed to make you come to the end and go, oh, now I kind of hate all that time I spent on this. This was kind of a downer. And it does feel like we're being dragged further and further down into the dark because they think that's what we want to see. We want to see Batman and Superman push to their limits. We want to see them break down and cry. We want to see them beat their chest and maybe slit their wrists. Like, <laughs> And it's, it's not so it. odd because like time and time again since New 52 began, so we're going on 10 years now, they have been hearing reviews from their fans and their readers of like, stop with the nitty gritty, stop making everything so super dark, we don't want this, and then they're like, I hear you, I know exactly what you want, and then doubles down. Yeah, they either go in one direction where they keep getting dark and gritty, or they go like, bubblegum, sweet, like, what the heck is going on with Wonder Woman? Like, this entire thing that makes me want to vomit at how just, look at us! plucky plucky like okay we don't need the plucky superheroes there are some characters that work with being plucky but not everyone has to be plucky and rainbows and sunshine you can put them in those shades of gray you can have them have those conflicts have those emotional moments that make you want to cry or just be like that that touched my heart but then you don't pull us down into the dredges of darkness and uh pain and then it doesn't work there's a big gray area that you can work in it doesn't have to be all sunshines and rainbows and it doesn't have to be all lana del rey songs and and rain outside on the window no because sometimes it is fine to leave things dark like there there are times where it's like okay we came to the edge everyone's recovering they're limping along sometimes it works but you have to have that mm. catharsis, you know? You have to come to that conclusion that this was earned, that we, we've won, there's something positive at the end of it. Because we know that Batman at his core is hopeful. And that's why he keeps going. Yeah. That's why this works. If Batman loses hope, the whole story falls apart. And mm-hmm. I think that goes double for Justice League. It goes double for all these people who optimistically wear spandex and leave their homes looking like clowns 
and then go out and and save people they don't know for no pay like this is an optimistic mm -hmm. bunch of people and so we don't want to see you breaking them apart over and over and turning them into villains and trying to make us hate them like that doesn't make any sense to me mm-hmm and like i want to say the difference right now is that in this sense they're like oh it's just a two-month event it's not gonna stick around unless you want it to but even like what v was saying with the 90s batman cartoon is that you know it's not like the Zack snyder films where he is shooting his enemies up and burning them and whatever like at the end of these things yes he does fight them yes most of the time he does beat them to a bloody pulp but <laughs> he doesn't just throw them in jail and forget about them he brings them to arkham in hopes that or he offers them jobs, he listens to why they did it in the first place, and tries to find long-term yeah. solutions to it. Yep. And I think that's kind of the core of it. There's a lot of people that he will help using his many different resources, and he will find creative solutions to help anyone he can. And he never gives up on people, mm. even people who consistently betray him. And a lot of people think that's one of his failings. Like, oh, you're, yeah. you're such a dick. If you'd killed this person, he wouldn't be out causing trouble. And he's like, I want to save everyone. Mm -hmm. And like we've just seen in the recent Joker War and what Jason throws in Bruce's face time and time again. <laughs> he just wants to save everyone. He's just such a sweet guy. I hate that people <laughs> don't get it. Like they want mm -hmm. to see him as this bad guy, as this deranged lunatic. And maybe he is a little deranged. But you know what? So is everyone in Gotham, and he's trying his best to help in the only ways he knows how. Point is, he's a great guy. He's a great Stop guy! Stop beating up on Batman! With a good heart in the shape of a bat. He's <laughs> a Gotham boy. So, I guess that was a long way of saying, you know, there are directions you can go. It's not like we're saying, give us the same story over and over again. We're saying, please yeah. just remember what characters you're using and try not to break them also try mm -hmm. to remember if you can how stories work if this was like a complete stranger and you tell us this is the story about this bad environment these people are in they're going to try to do good things they're going to try to get out of it but in order to do that they're going to be assholes and they're going to make things worse you're not gonna want to go along with those people. I don't care if they have a super in front of their name. If Superboy bottles up Metropolis in a jar, we're not rooting for him. We're not Team Superman no. right now. He can go. Bring Superman back and send John off to War World to have a little time out. <laughs> this is not okay. And da what Damien's doing right now is not okay. And none of us believed he would do it. It doesn't make any sense. No. Nope. And again, it's not like we're bashing every single new story that comes out of DC mm -hmm. because if you've listened to us, like you hear, like we do get excited when there are good stories and oh, yeah. people are hitting those marks of these characters that they're writing. So it's not always like every single episode is, bah, this, this is bad, this is bad, this is bad. Yeah. Like there, yes, maybe a majority in recent times. Like, it's kind of been in that way, but we do talk good about these stories and not just like, oh, you know, back in the 90s when this was being written or early <laughs> 2000s. Cause like, no, like, there are good modern stories out right now. It's like, just, Joker War was yeah. such... It, that was, as we mentioned a lot through our reviews, and even you mentioned it as well, it, it really did push Batman 
and the Bat family to a limit pushed him almost to a breaking point, and he was not in a good state for a while because of hallucinogenics, but he never stopped being him. It's the way he got through his grief of Alfred, and that's what pushed him to finally just, Mm -hmm. like, decide, nope, I gotta step up, and I have to protect my city from Joker. Like, that was such a good story, like, oh my gosh. They didn't even give Tinian, like, a whole Batman to break down and then build up. They were like, here's a broken Batman, fix him. And he was like, I will give you catharsis for what we've gone through to make it feel earned. Retroactively Mm -hmm. saving the Tom King storyline to make it feel like it was purposeful, like it was an earned story element instead of just a random, nearly off-screen death. (laughs) Right. You gave me this jumping point, I'm gonna go with it. Not, I'm gonna sweep it under the rug. Yeah, like it's a it's more of a rocky start than I would have preferred because I was told I would be starting at this point, but you know, I'll make it work. And he did. I am curious to see how this is going to turn out and how much of it is going to stick around, but I can definitely say that I will not be reading a majority of this. There's not much here that's grasped me, especially once again for like my favorite characters which is really disappointing because as soon as bendis is off the run in december i'm like all right i get to start the year right new writing team on superman and then i get this story for the first two months so you know what maybe i'll get a good writer for my birthday month when it comes back to regular viewing (laughs) that is all we have to say today i do hope that you enjoyed this long episode as always, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, and YouTube at Court of Outlets. Let us know which comic you want us to cover next week, and make sure to stay up to date with our latest episodes by subscribing to the podcast on Anchor, Apple, Google, Spotify, and everywhere else you may listen to your podcasts. Take Bye. care, guys. Bye.